Hello, this is Doug Wyatt, and I want to welcome you to our podcast series, Considering Christianity as a Scientist, and this is podcast number 21. This is the first in a new format where I hope to discuss with us as scientists and scientific thinkers how we might think, react, rationalize, and accept ourselves in relationship to God as Christians and followers of Jesus. These new podcasts are intended to be shorter and more focused. I hope you have listened to our podcast 1 through 20 and encourage you to do so if you have not. These previous podcasts are longer and a bit broader in depth of discussion, but help lead our thoughts in a sequential process. As a reminder, I am a Ph.D. scientist, published in with patents, and a long history of managing major science and engineering research programs. I am a Christian. With many of my friends in science, technology, and engineering, I have chatted with and discussed our thoughts on Christ and Christianity, the Creator God, the Bible and human history, and often how difficult it is to reconcile belief with our scientific training and thought processes. I truly understand and have struggled with this myself. Science and Christian beliefs are often hard to merge in our modern technological and skeptical world. Yet I know that many feel, sense, hear, a quiet whisper, a deep sense need for something greater, larger, and more meaningful than ourselves. I want you to consider and to discuss through our podcast that this is our Creator God calling to you personally and how to accept this. I offer this series of podcasts as a scientist and a Christian, consideration of Christianity as a scientist. In this podcast, we want to discuss and to consider hubris. The topic of hubris is often discussed by scientists about scientific accomplishment and attitude. For better or worse, we often talk about the hubris and arrogance of others while they may do the same about us. As an amusing story, very soon after I received my Ph.D., I was giving a talk at a major science conference about a new methodology for the interpretation of shallow geological faults derived from ground-penetrating radar data. About midway through the talk, I was showing an equation we had developed and modified and why it worked for the interpretation process being discussed when a gentleman a few rows from the lectern stood up and called me an arrogant idiot and that I was wrong in a very angry way. Of course I was shocked, but before I could respond, another gentleman from across the room stood up and loudly stated that no, I was right and that this other man was wrong, with a following heated discussion that implied both thought each other was wrong and arrogantly wrong. There was quite a buzz around the room. Many were angry at all this and some were laughing. It took the moderator a couple of minutes to restore order and I finished my talk. After all this, there was no time for questions. The two gentlemen left very quickly. A few people came up and congratulated me, not necessarily on my science, but for generating the debate. I have often thought about this and the role hubris played in everyone's involvement, possibly even myself. For our discussion, hubris is defined as excessive pride or self-confidence, arrogance, derived from the ancient Greek hebris, 
or hybris, meaning insolence, all according to Webster and pretty much all other authorities. The word arrogance is often used in polite company and other words in not so polite company. I have been accused of it and as an admission of personal guilt accused others of it, sometimes wrongly in anger, jealousy, and even in fear. I have encouraged my students, mentorees, and employees to be cautious when hubris is involved. Human hubris is the cause of a great many problems on this planet. At the time I was consolidating my thoughts for this podcast from my office window, I can see two human-capable rockets on pads 39A and 39B at the Kennedy Space Center. Two human-rated rockets on the pad at the same time. Very rare. Movies have been made with similar events. There is a great sense of pride in this accomplishment and that humans can go to the moon and to Mars and eventually to the stars. People accept it as a given. We are smart, industrious, and wise enough to do this. However, in my field of view, out of my window, you can see the sky and the ocean and earth and realize, if you admit it, that humans are basically a biofilm on planet earth. If we step out of an airplane just a few kilometers above the surface, we will freeze to death very quickly. If we were to go into the earth a few kilometers, we would die from the heat and pressure. As an organism, we are only able to exist in a very, very thin zone compared to the diameter of our planet and atmosphere. Something like 0.07% of our planet's diameter. Let's call it a tenth of a percent for the thickness of our particular human biofilm. However, this is basically true for all life on Earth. We are all very narrowly constrained in our natural state. However, we extend our range and leave our biofilm by carrying it with us in protective vehicles or clothing derived from our intellectual processes and capabilities. Our minds allow us to explore, but we must do it within the confines of the environmental conditions of our thin little biofilm. Hubris our own self-absorption at having to be the source of the highest level of knowledge or insight, wisdom and understanding, tends to close our mind while blocking our mind to God and to others. Given this, how can we possibly have or display hubris? Of all the life forms we know, it seems to be our exclusive trait. I do not want, in this podcast, to discuss human origins, evolution, or similar topics, but just accept that we as humans have this characteristic called hubris. I do not even want to discuss why a creator god of the universe would create us within an extremely, zonally limited biofilm. We have discussed this in similar terms in my earliest podcast, and I hope you have listened to them. However, as humans, I accept that we exist... We seem to have the capability of conceiving and experiencing the universe beyond our limited biofilm minds. Our minds and emotion are less fettered or zonally isolated than our bodies, and that we often demonstrate hubris. So, why is this? Well, I believe that constrained as we are physically, our unconstrained minds and emotions exist and demonstrate that we have that little bit of the divine in us, our spirits, souls, that we discussed in previous podcasts. We are much more than just our biofilm selves. We have a wee bit of something much greater in ourselves that we imperfectly understand, some even afraid to understand, and this allows us to exhibit hubris, arrogance, excessive pride, as well as the opposite, great humility, understanding, dare I say it, wisdom. 
I am often reminded of Einstein's quote, We still do not know one thousandth of one percent of what nature has revealed to us. This statement is still true no matter how much we explore the universe or explore the microverse. Recently, after hundreds of years of human anatomical studies, a new type of cell in the lung was just discovered. How did we miss that? Tesla once stated that the history of science shows that theories are perishable. With every new truth that is revealed, we get a better understanding of nature and our conceptions and views are modified. Considering this, how do we fit our understanding of hubris into something we can evaluate? We could discuss this for a very long time and under a variety of presuppositions. However, here is my working hypothesis. Human hubris, and I understand that these two words may define a tautology or maybe a pleonasm, is a direct result of increased experiences, mental, conceptual, and or physical only within the framework of our zonal biofilm. In my experience, humans have learned and accomplished much, great things, good and bad, using the tools and concepts developed within our very thin zone of existence. We can see and interpret beyond our zone, but only using the tools developed within our zone. We celebrate, revel in, and utilize these accomplishments, as in many cases we should, and often become enamored with them, and therefore exhibit hubris. To me, this immediately creates two questions. One, how can we not just use the capabilities from our environment, our biofilm materials and opportunities? That's all we have, right? No big deal. And question two, do we have any other tools to work with to get beyond this hubris thing? For the first question, right. We build tools to define, refine, extend, and measure our experiences and observations. We think of these things because we are part of them and we use these things because they are available to us. For the second question, yes, and hubris may actually provide the answer, although in a negative way. To be able to evaluate ourselves, our biofilm selves, to the point where we can have arrogance and pride means, assumes, de facto, that we have a mind capable of conceiving and evaluating our experience beyond just our physical selves. We can think of ourselves with a view from outside ourselves. This is the mind where we can consider the greatest of all potential things, physical, mental, or spiritual. To jump beyond our biofilm selves, it must be the spiritual and that part of the divine that we are we're given. Our spirit is required. If this is true, and it must be, then here's the problem. Our spirit comes from a force so much superior to ourselves that the hubris we exhibit must be completely false and completely wrong to exhibit or believe for ourselves. What a dichotomy and conundrum. Remember my friend Anselm from an earlier podcast, God is the greatest concept we can conceive of? The actual feeling, action, thought of hubris about ourselves is the very proof that it cannot be true. In the Bible, the book of Psalms states, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. Our hubris separates us from the one who gave us the ability, the spirit, to exhibit hubris, while the goal is to seek humility and understanding and to find God through our free will. Yet we choose arrogance and it gets in the way.
To understand this creates a feeling of humility and humbleness, which is what Christianity teaches us. Jesus did not use the words hubris, arrogance, or pride often, but he did use the word and concept of humble and humility several times. When speaking about the attitude of children, his statement, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, and... For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted, and that God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. God expects us to observe, learn, understand, and celebrate our growth of knowledge and wisdom, but in a spirit of humility and humbleness. As a blind man has no idea of colors, so have we no idea of the manner by which the all-wise God perceives and understands all things. I wish this was my concept, but it was stated by Isaac Newton, and he certainly understood one of my favorite Greek philosophers, Heraclitus, in his statement, Much learning does not teach understanding. Heraclitus often is recorded as speaking against what we might call today as hubris. The same for Isaac Newton. John, an apostle of Jesus, wrote in his letters the following he learned from Jesus. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Happiness and pride at doing something well is no sin. Excessive pride and arrogance, to the point of considering oneself superior to others and knowing certainty to the point of dismissal of other ideas and thoughts, is hubris, human hubris, and closes our minds to God and all that he created, physical and non-physical. Jesus taught this, and Heraclitus, Newton, and Einstein knew and believed it. Hubris stands between us and God us and Jesus. Christianity, following Christ, teaches us to understand and love God and what God simply wants in our relationship with Him and with others. This is what Jesus taught and asked of us. But He had to reconcile us back to God. As created beings with that bit of divinity God had given us, we screwed up and continually screw up. So He stepped in, became us, and in an unimaginable act, took all of our failings all of our mistakes, all of our rebellion, all of our hatred, all of our hubris, all those things that separate us from God, from all the past, the present, and the future of mankind, and absorbed them himself, collecting them all and carrying that load, taking them, destroying them, so that we were reconciled back to our Creator. We only have to accept this fact, reject the hubris we feel, strive to live clean and renewed, following Jesus. Often, non-physical, difficult to observe and objectively measure and therefore rationalize topics are tough for us to comprehend and analyze. Very tough for us scientific thinkers. We are stepping way, way out into conceptual thought when we do consider them, but I believe we can arrive at concepts that are meaningful just beyond our observational abilities. I believe we can sense, feel these thoughts as facts, as something real and believe them just as we do those things we can physically observe and touch. In this podcast we have tried to do that. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Considering Christianity as a Scientist podcast series. As scientific thinkers, we can evaluate our belief and through understanding, develop a growing relationship with our Creator God. We can understand His history with mankind and the teaching of His Son, the Christ, to bring us closer to Him, better our relationship with ourselves, and save us from those who would destroy us. Our next episode is coming soon.